What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. How are you, dude? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Welcome to my home. It's a uh, dude. Here. Nice Zach guitar right up over here. You know what's crazy? He yeah. and I have the same birthday. Oh, really? What, what day is that? What day is that fall on? January 14th. Well, all right, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of 24 years of radio in here, man. So it's, you know, last year and a half working from home. It's been pretty cool. It's been a cool, creative environment to be in for the last, you know, year right. and a half. So, That's right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. You can see your face back there, that painting that you did for me years Where'd ago. Where'd you get that crazy, like, Foo Fighters ray gun thing? Yeah, so that was at, um, it was at a concert, a Foo Fighters show, obviously, and my gal, her mom, did the, she did the, like, garments on the, the edge, and we turned it into a curtain. So, oh, my God, that's so right. You know what my mom actually did one time? Yeah. She called me, this is 12, 10, 15 years ago, she called me, she's like, David, what are you going to do with all your old t-shirts that are in the attic? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. She goes, can I make pillows out of them? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. so she took all of like, you know, like my Pantera shirt, my Sabbath shirt and like a Ramon shirt. And she stuffed them and made pillows out of them. And we put them down at our studio and everyone's like, dude, would you get these pillows? I'm like my mom, <laughs> mom, mom, man. mom dude, speaking of pillows, is this, does this get weird? Stuff like this get weird. I, it's a little, it's a little strange. We don't have those in my house, that's for sure. <laughs> so let's get into it, dude. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm geeked to talk about this new book of yours. And what's special to me is that I had no idea I was going to talk to you today. I didn't, you know, I mean, other than the last couple of days, like, hey, you're going to be doing an interview with Dave. And I'm like, wow, cool. I purchased this book, dude, a year ago. You know what I mean? I got my hands on this because I, I love your stories and I truly appreciate this. Thank you. You. I don't know. It, it's, how's this? Where does this rank on, you know, uh, things that you've accomplished? You know, how's this? Where's this land in your life? Well, it's nice to have firsts, right? Sure. So, Absolutely. and you always remember the first because, you know, it's a little scary. You're not sure you can do it. It turned, and that's the reason why you do it. I think, at least me personally, a lot of, a lot of the things that, I've done in my life I've done them because I kind of want to prove to myself I can do it sure. you know like I'm not really sure not really sure I could jump up on stage at a jazz club and play with the jazz band I'm not really sure I could like leave Virginia and join a punk rock band and jump in a van for six months I'm not really sure I could you know move up to Seattle to someone's house a stranger or someone I don't know like it's kind of the adventure of not knowing and and the fear of of uh of never having having never done it before. So with the book thing, it was like, you know, I'd written things here and there for magazines and I love writing to, to friends and I, I enjoy writing. Both of my parents were writers. And so, um, so I knew I had it in me. I just really, I just never had the time, you know, sure, like I, sure. and, and when everything shut down last year, I was like, okay, maybe now's the time. And I made the call. I was like, I called my manager. I'm like, Hey, do you think I could write a book? He's like, yeah, you could probably write a book. I'm sure. like, all right, let's do it. And then, um, and then it was so much fun. It was so much fun that when I hit send on the last story, I was bummed, dude. I was like, really? oh. just because it yeah. ended, you had so many more to go. I'm sure. 
I mean, it, listen, the challenge of writing this book wasn't like what to write. It was like what not to write. Because, yeah. oh, my God. I mean, of course. I had this list of 30 or 40 more stories that I was going to write for this Instagram page thing that I started. Dave's True Stories. Like, that's, yeah. that's how it all started. Sure. Just for fun, because the band wasn't doing anything and had all the spare time. So, yeah, I was bummed when I hit send on the last one. I'm like, oh, dude, I kind of, first of all, it's just like the tip of the iceberg. Uh, but then I was like, well, you know, I kind of want to do it more. So I think I'll do it more. So, so you feel like you get to pent up creatively if you're not always doing something. If you're not in the studio working on music, you've got to do something. you got to create. I'm such, I'm such a spaz. Like, you have wow. no idea. Like, I wow. wake up in the morning with a new idea, and I'll, like, blast it out to all my friends. Like, oh, my God, let's make a record with this person, this person, this person, this person. And then I hit send. And then I, like, kind of forget about it. And then about two weeks later, they're like, okay, we've got the studio booked. And I was like, oh, for the, oh, okay, I guess I have to start another band now. Sure. But yeah, <laughs> always like trying to think of things. Cause I mean, really honestly, first of all, I'm so blessed and fortunate to have the resource and opportunity that I do. Yeah. So I really try to yeah. take advantage of it, whether it's making records with foods or directing documentaries or like writing a book. Like yeah. I, I can do it. It's just a matter of trying to fit it in between all the other stuff. And I like it that way. And now you're, uh, you know, your daughter's getting older and older and they're wanting to perform. How's that make you feel? You know, you know, Harper asking you, dad, teach me how to play the drums. Like you read yeah. about the first chapter, you know. Well, it doesn't necessarily surprise me because here at home, there's instruments everywhere and there's music mm -hmm. everywhere. And it's just kind of a part of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, but then there also is that, the the x factor which is dna like does dna really play a part in a person's musical ability or their path and i happen to think that it does both of my parents were musicians my yeah. mother was a singer in acapella groups my dad was a classically trained musician okay. so i think that it's like it resides in your dna zipper somewhere it's just a matter of you wanting to find it you know like i would never tell my kids like you have to play this instrument and go take lesson to me it's more about like letting your heart take you there sure and so yeah. with violet my 15 year old she's a great singer man and she's been singing since she was strapped in a car seat and she is the most talented musician this family has ever known by far wow she's got she's got the brain she's got the ears she's got the pitch she's got the thing she'll pick up an instrument she'll learn it in a week she's one of those people Super harper cool. Harper's Harper's my mini me. And so she's like, Hey dad, uh, I want to play the drums. I'm like, drums. That's like, you're gonna start there. Okay. <laughs> and so I just gave her an ACDC record. I was like, just check out back in black. Just do that. You know? And, uh, it's in there, but it's not something that's expected of them. But yeah. when I see them discovering music, I mean, this is the coolest thing I'm watching them, uh, discover music now. Like I'm watching a 12 year old discover Fleetwood Mac, wow. you know, which we sort of take for granted. But yeah, to her, absolutely. it's discovery. She's like, whoa. And I'm watching Violet discover Joni Mitchell, which we have like paid attention to our whole lives. Wow. But she's discovering it now. And yeah. it's so inspiring. It's like, I go down and she's listening to like the Misfits and then she's listening to Joni Mitchell. And I'm wow, like- Wow, very eclectic. That's awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they, they have access to, you know, as if we could just walk into a record store right. and just pick and choose what anything. That's yeah. what their musical experience is. That's rad. So with all these different ideas you had for the book, how did you narrow it down? Is it the best of the best? Is that what we got in this book? Or was it just what inspired you at the time writing? Like, now nah, this has got to be in it. I'll be totally honest. 
So when I started that Instagram page, I thought, all right, I'm just going to do this for a while. And I made a list of like 30 or 40 stories that I could write, just silly things and important things and emotional things. And when I signed the book deal, I just took that list and sent it to my editor. And I'm like, okay, you pick. So you assign me what you want me to write. And she would go through the stories and be like, all right, write about... um, you know, getting hit in the head of the golf club, yeah. like write about childhood in Springfield. I'm like, all right. And then she said, all right, write about uh, starting the Food Fighters. So she would assign these things to me. And, you know, her job, her name's Carrie Thorne. She's a genius. Her job was to basically try almost like a producer when you're making a record. It's like a producer is like, uh, this song is great. This song is great. Let's put them together in this order, uh, the sure. sequence, so that an album has like side yeah. A, side B, beginning, sure. end. And so I was just kind of like blasting out these short stories, going boom, yeah. and then said it to her. And then it started taking shape, just like a record would. And then sure. you realize what you have, what you don't have, what it needs. And um, at that point, it was like, <clears throat> it started becoming a book, because it's not necessarily in chronological order it sort of bounces around but there is an arc to the story but yeah i mean when i was finished i'm like that's it like (laughs) i only have 384 pages that's it come on let's go yeah i love the story about sandy uh you know obviously you write this story about your first love had that been sitting in the back of your head for a long time like i've got to have this in the book i've got to talk about sandy because I, well, I, mean, I feel about, like everybody's got that first love story. You know what I mean? Right. So. I mean, you know, the, the thing about that story. And so with most of these stories, there's sort of the, um, you know, there's the anecdotal element. And then there's the emotional element. And the reason why this resonates or the reason why this is important. So the thing about Sandy, like, yeah, I got dumped in seventh grade, broke my heart. I had this dream <laughs> that I was a rock star and whatever. Yeah. But the reason why uh, it's important to me is because that was the first time I turned to my instrument to somehow help me through some sort of pain, right? Sure, sure. And I, I've grown up playing along to music on other people's re- uh, records and listening to their songs about how they, you know, healing themselves or some sort of pain. But this is the first time I did it myself. And I realized like, oh, okay, maybe this is the love of my life. Maybe this is the one I'll always turn to. This is my best friend. This is my therapist. This is my teacher. This is my father. This is my lover. Like just have this instrument. And that's, that's really what the story is about. But at the same time, that dream I had when I was 13 or 12, where I was like on an arena stage, like shredding a lead in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. The crazy thing is 30 years later, that dream came true. And, you know, I have to imagine like, that there is something to be said for uh, for those dreams. And maybe they're not just dreams. Maybe you're manifesting something to actually happen in your life. And you shouldn't be scared of it. You should be like, okay, like I imagined this, I can perceive it, I can achieve it. You know what I mean? Like you could actually do the things sure. that you don't imagine are really possible. Man, this thing's fantastic. And they're already telling me I got to wrap it up with you here in a few minutes. So I'm going to rapid fire some of my questions here, not just about the books, but uh, about the book. But I also, I'm saying books too, because I got your moms here as well, which is- Hey, cool. that's a good one too. So, yeah, yeah. Collect the whole um, set. Yeah. Um, congratulations, dude, on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too. And, and Paul McCartney doing the induction. What's up? That's awesome, man. I thought it was going to be Stuart true. Copeland, by the way. I thought that was the- Well, the you know, listen, this is a about. conversation. We had had this conversation 
Uh-huh. Um, but the first time we really had the conversation was on Howard Stern's show. Like oh, we okay. hadn't even talked about that. Sure. And then he asked, and I always thought maybe Stuart would be cool because he really was the inspiration behind the idea of the Foo Fighters. Sure. And um, Taylor loves them as much as Taylor Hawkins obviously loves them as much as you do. I mean, the whole thing. Oh band. my God. Like he's the best. So, yeah. but then it, 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 you know, it, it, we're honored to have Paul come and hang he's with no us. Slouch. The poem he's the best to hang. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. He's so much fun to hang with. That's like the best part, just to hang. Sure. And a quick uh, handful of rapid fire questions, man. How do you stay humble in this cutthroat business? Is there a quick answer to that? How do you do it, man? Your sense well, of humor is insanely cool. Thank you. I think that. you have to, you have to really appreciate stuff and you know, there's good days and there's bad days and sure. you know, no, uh, it's, it's not always easy, but it's always, um, it's always a, a blessing to do it. And so I just, I feel really appreciative that I get to do this thing Um where I play music and that's that's basically it. Plus I have two, I have three kids that think I'm the biggest dork in the world. <laughs> that kind of helps too. Well, we think you're cool. So that kind of balances it out a little bit, man. So if you were to perform one song live with Kurt and Chris Novoselic again, you know, any song, doesn't have to be a Nirvana song. If you guys were to perform one song again live, what would it be? It would be any song. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's rad, man. I love that answer. Um, have you ever written a song sitting on the toilet? Uh, I don't think I have. I may have come up <laughs> with some really good lyrics, but I don't know if I've like sat down with pen and paper. No. Uh, what's your favorite color? I got to say Pelham Blue. Pelham Blue. The color of your guitar that you, yeah, dude. My favorite color. It was the color of my bedroom when I was a kid. Ah, I get it. And then last year um, in the studio, you know, when you're working on a song, a Foo Fighters track, how do you know it's done? When do you know that I don't have to touch it? That's we're done. You just, you know what, when you get sick of it, really? <laughs> I, well, in a way it's like, you know, I don't like, I don't like spending too much time on anything in the studio. It's like, usually the first few takes that's got the thing that you want, even if it's imperfect, it's like you get in there and the energy of it and it's fresh and it's new and you hit record and you go blast through something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like working on things until they, until, you know, it's powerful and it's worth other people hearing, but dude, I'll, I'll get to the point sometimes with songs where I'm like, all right, I'm out of love. Like that's oh. it. I'm, I'm out of love with this song. This is it. I'm done We're with it. Done. That's it. Very cool. Well, Dave, maybe one day I'll see a, an autographed Dave Roll guitar hanging up in here. That would be pretty rad. I'm just going to have any more room, dude. Where are you going to put it? Look at that place. Right. So right here is an arched window. There's nothing right there. Originally, your painting that you painted for me years ago uh, right. was going to go there, but I'm thinking that's where a Dave Grohl autograph guitar should go. Oh. I'm just going to put that. Okay, let's we'll see what we can do. I was, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on this book. It's amazing. I'm having a fantastic time reading it, man. So I hope to see you, Foo Fighters, very soon. Thank you, sir. We'll see you around, right, brother. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's What Women Binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here with us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What Women Binge, wherever you listen. Listen.